Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Valley Community Church. My name is Dane. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I had the privilege of actually growing up at VCC and then coming up through the student ministry. And uh, to my left here is actually the very first person I ever heard preach the gospel. Uh, first time I ever heard the gospel was from Laren. This hadn't been built yet. We were over in that uh, other room we call the hall over there. And uh, this is just a, a mighty privilege to be up here with you, Laren. So can we welcome Pastor Laren Heath? Now I know how Joe feels when Fiona was, uh, you know, <laughs> oh man. Well, um, Laren was here, I think, in 1975 uh, when you started, and we're here for several decades serving this church as the senior pastor. We actually have a picture of Laren that he, he didn't see, uh, so we're going to throw this up here. <laughs> So very much the 70s, right? Yeah. Uh, and this was actually taken here uh, on the property when it was a farm. Um, Laren, do you remember taking this picture? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> well, you look dashing. Yeah. Look dashing. Shows what time can do to you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we have another picture here, and this is of a plaque. You can't really read it very well, um, but it's right outside the sanctuary when this was built 25 years ago. It has Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 on it, uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, our chief cornerstone. And that was the prayer for our church. And we have another plaque, actually, that just went in couple months ago, and this is in front of our new family's building uh, in the back. It says, generation after generation stands in awe of your work, and each one tells stories of your mighty acts. And so we're going to be uh, co-preaching on yeah. <laughs> Psalm 145 in just a, a moment here, but we did want to make a couple disclaimers. Number one, we asked Laren to preach, and the first time that the two of us got together to talk about it, he said, I think we should do it together, okay? So I didn't want anyone to think that I insisted. <laughs> <laughs> and Laren said, you know, Dane, I think you should tell people that, and I said, trust me, I was going <laughs> to tell them anyway, Laren. And the second thing is that I said, Laren, have you ever done this before? And you said, no. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he said, have you? And I said, no, definitely not. So uh, we've been around the block once or twice, but um, this is new for us. And so if it goes poorly, it was Laren's idea. And, uh, <laughs> so, and you can email him at Laren at Valley Community Church. That's uh, just kidding. So... Psalm 145, in a generation after generation, stands in awe of your work. And this series is called A Thousand Generations. 
In Exodus and Deuteronomy, the Lord tells Moses that he will be faithful. He will keep steadfast love to the thousandth generation. And there are a couple of generations between Laren and I. We were doing the math. Um, but, you know, we're only about a hundred generations from Jesus. It's good to zoom back sometimes and remember we're in the middle of the story, maybe even at the beginning of the story. And so, Laren, before we read Psalm 145, would you tell us a bit about who wrote it? Uh, it's a David psalm, and it's a praise song. And David isn't known for his praise songs. He's known more for his laments. He whines a lot at the beginning. <laughs> God, where are you? How come you're so far from me? But he always ends with praise. That's the way the gospel is. It's the blues with hope. And isn't it something that God allows us to, to, sing, to sing the blues? We don't have to pretend all the time. There's sad things sometimes, aren't there? And the Bible allows us to do that, but we have to end with praise. And the whole of the Psalter is like that, from beginning to end. Lots of laments at the beginning, praises at the beginning. In fact, this is, this is uh, the introduction to the Hallelujah hymn book that will begin in the next chapters, next five chapters, the conclusion to Psalms. Also, this happens to be an acrostic, which is an alphabet. You see that? B, C, D, oh, we're not that up there yet. Uh, can we? There it is. Good. Okay, yeah. We start with B because in the Hebrew alphabet, you have 22 letters, there's no vowels, and A is a vowel, right? So we skipped the vowels, and we made it, it uh, of interest here is that we're not sure it's exactly it. Right, because David has a hard time with acrostics. He's not disciplined enough for it. <laughs> this is the fifth one we get of his, and he hasn't gotten it right yet. <laughs> but and that's why we have 22 verses instead of, that's why we have 21 verses instead of 22. Usually an acrostic, you get 22 for the alphabet. But we can say this. David is saying, I want to give us I want to give us reasons for praising our God from A to Z. Mm. Isn't that fun? Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, why don't we read it together? We're going to do this a little differently today, uh, but if we could, as usual, have you all stand for the reading of God's Word. And um, we're going to do it in, in parts, and you are going to have a couple of parts. So when we get to verse 8, you'll see that it is bold and underlined, so that's the Lord is gracious and merciful. Um, and by the way, I think we're reading in the Laren Standard Version today, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge, but he knows Hebrew, so he's qualified to do that, okay? And um, so yeah, when we get to verse 8, and then the last verse, 21, you will read it all together, okay? So let's read together. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. 
One generation will tell of your works to another and will declare your mighty acts. Each generation will meditate on your splendor and majesty and tell again your wondrous works. The might, the might of your, of your awesome, awesome deeds will be proclaimed, and I will declare your greatness. They will, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and sing aloud your praises. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all his creation. All your works will give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your kingly rule endures throughout all generations. The Lord holds on to all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. All eyes look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living creature. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desires of all who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked will be destroyed. My mouth will sing the praises of the Lord. Let all creatures praise God's holy name forever and ever. O creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. O praise Him.
before we do, uh, I usually would pray for our text, and, and I'll, maybe I can do that too, we'll see. But I lost a friend this last week. Lynn Cheney died last, beginning of last week, and he's an orthodontist that did most of our teeth around here, maybe. <laughs> Dear brother in Christ and a friend. And I walked down Main Street the other day with our family and saw all of these Porsches. Lynn used to race Porsches. And he had his favorite one in his garage. And every so often he'd take me to the garage and let me see it. <laughs> so let me bring his family before the Lord. Holy Spirit of God, Jesus promised us that in our time of sorrow, you would bring comfort. So I pray now that you would bring comfort to the Cheney family, to Sue, his lovely wife, to their children, their children's children, mm -hmm. till that day when death will be no more, when you alone are our resurrection and our life, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we are going to start. Mm -hmm. Let them sit down. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, yeah. Have a seat. You know, usually I'm standing too, you know, so I'm just sitting comfortably up here, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to begin with a, an orienting question here this morning. Um, you know, we're talking about a, God being faithful to a thousand generations, and we figured we'd better start with God this week. And what is it about God that passes on for a thousand generations? So, verse 3 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will tell of your works to another and will declare your mighty acts. Each generation will meditate on your splendor and majesty and tell again your wondrous works. The might of your awesome deeds will be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and sing aloud your praises. So we'll circle back to verse 1 uh, at the end, but why don't we start with that question, Larry? What is it about God that passes on for a thousand generations? Well, it's the unsearchable things. Searchable things don't pass on very well. Like when I started in the ministry, I had to wear a suit and tie and dress properly, right. and we had uh, these kingly chairs on the platform. And, do you remember that? And uh, I'd walk out from the office and sit in these kingly chairs. And somehow I knew that this wasn't, this isn't worth handing on, right? Mm. This is uh, silly in lots of ways. I felt a mile away from the congregation. Mm. So when we came here and I could sit with my wife in the congregation, I liked that. It was much better. Mm. But the substance, the reason we gathered, that's the unsearchable things. And I think we got them right here. One generation tell in verse 4, we have the unsearchable things are his mighty acts. Do you see that? His wondrous works. 
his awesome deeds. And this is things that we are to tell. One generation will tell of his works to another. We're to declare. We're to meditate. We're to proclaim. Um, it doesn't say anywhere here that we're to explain it. <laughs> and there's something about the word of God that when we just tell it and declare it and proclaim it, it has a way of taking care of itself, doesn't it? Sometimes we try to explain it, we just get in the way. And this is all to be in verse 7, they will celebrate the abundant, your abundant goodness. That his mighty acts, his wondrous works, his awesome deeds are good. What's that remind you of? Good news. Good news? The good news. Or gospel. Mm. You know, gospel is one of those English words that we just couldn't let go. <laughs> you know that good news isn't that, it doesn't talk gospel, does it? No. And gospel comes from the old English. Good and spell, you know, when you spell things out, write things out, it's the good story. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the good story that puts a spell on you. <laughs> so I think even though gospel's a dated word, you can't top it, can you? Mm -mm. So don't mess with it. Leave okay. it alone. <laughs> uh, well, what is the mighty act? When does the gospel start? I think it starts in the beginning, doesn't it? When God decided to create the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. And our Livermore scientists tell us that the whole universe, all the matter in the universe, was crunched into a singularity the size of a grain of sand. Can that be so? And that this is floating about in the deep darkness, cold. God said, let there be light. And you know what happened? It exploded. <laughs> and the darkness has been on the run to this very day. Mm. Um, I guess after it cooled off a while, God spotted this interesting planet that he took a liking to even though it was a bit murky and messed up, circling around a medium-sized star out there in the beautiful galaxy. And God said, with some work, we can make this place work for humans. Mm -hmm. So he went to work separating things. He's a spacious God, you know. So he had to create some space for us. And so God separates day and night. He separates earth and sky. He separates land and sea. And then he fills it up with all his creatures, birds of the air, fish in the sea, because there's lots of room now. And on land, he makes sure it has plenty of vegetation so it can take care of all his creatures, of which we are one. Um, but, we instinctively know we're different, don't we? <laughs> What's this difference? I don't know if I should say this out loud, but if you notice, we eat and excrete and procreate just like all those other animals, don't we? 
What makes us special? The Bible calls it the image of God. It's, and what's the image of God? Well, it's unsearchable, so it's unfathomable. You can never get to the bottom of it, right? But we do know that it has to do with how we can talk, humans talk, how we relate with our creator and enjoy him, delight in him. And I guess most interesting is that God has deputized us to name all the animals. So we get to name them. The Bible says God looked on to see what he would call them. He doesn't second guess us. He just lets us go at it. And one thing that marks humans as opposed to all other creatures is that we are incurable namers. Have you noticed that? <laughs> we can't let anything go if it doesn't have a name. And our family, our children were raised with a wonderful dog. Name was Rags. And Rags, you can't just sell her for dog. You name your dog. And she's, all, she's a sheep dog. You got all these breeds and everything. But we called her Rags. And when we called her Rags, she knew her name. We'd go to the park and go, Ragsy! And she'd do her sheepdog thing. When she died, Jeremiah was somewhere in Europe, and Rachel was in school, I think, and Jen was out. And I gave Jen a call, and I said, I think we're going to bury her in the backyard. Rags. <laughs> Not Jen. So we did, and Jen came by, and I think we, we verged on heresy. You know, we might have done more than was necessary. But we loved Rags. And Rags never came up with a name for us. <laughs> right? That's the image of God in us. We know that our Creator is entered into a relationship with us, that He delights in us, that He wants to delight in, in His creation. Oh, but there's more. There's, more. there's always more. There's more. So it's not our clothes that pass on, but it's the mighty acts of God. Yeah, mighty yeah. acts. Yeah. Brittany wouldn't let me wear a T-shirt today. She said, what if Laren shows up in a suit? You know, <laughs> We miraculously met in the middle here. Yeah, we you know, did. How it works, yeah. I thought about it just to be rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Let's see. My, how the tables have turned. <laughs> so this brings us to verses 8 through 10. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Remember this one? And then verse 9, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all his creation. All your works will give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful will praise you. I hope verse 8 sounds familiar to you. Uh, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We just came across that two weeks ago in another David psalm, Psalm 103. And uh, that's no surprise, it's, it's the most quoted verse, the most referenced verse in all of the Old Testament, in all of the Hebrew scriptures. It's, I've heard it called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, right? <laughs> it's, it's just going to come up now and then. It's like if you listen to 
VCC sermons, you're going to get a C.S. Lewis quote at some point. <laughs> you know, it's just going to happen. It's just going to come up. And, and it's like David, this is his last psalm, the last psalm in the Psalter, and there was no way he was going to write it without this. And I was noticing, actually, that in Psalm 103, it's merciful and gracious. Here, it's gracious and merciful. It's as if, you know, he was like, oh, I got to fit it in with letter K. So he flipped those around <laughs> as he's writing his acrostic um, poem. And there's a reason it's so beloved, that it's the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, that it just shows up in almost every book. It comes from when God, or when Moses asks God, tell me what you're like, show me your glory. And the Lord himself told us what he was like. And he says, I am gracious and merciful. So let's talk for a moment about his unsearchable mercy. Well, it's a good thing that our creator is gracious and merciful. Mm. It says it's slow to anger. He, he, I guess he can get angry. <laughs> and he did once, that I know of. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember, but it didn't take long. Part of the image of God, I guess, is that we can decide who we're going to be and what we're going to do with our lives. That we can decide not to be, care about our creator choose another way and mankind increased on the earth and all sorts of wickedness evil was in their hearts all the time and God regretted that he ever did it he says he's going to wipe us out mm -hmm. and so he did that's the flood and right at the height of the waters and there's the very height arcs bobbing around then comes my favorite verse in the Bible, maybe Old Testament, Bible. <laughs> Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah. Good thing. <laughs> and the waters subsided. How good is that? So then we're back on dry land. Humans do what they do. I better not say that thing about God, huh? You're okay. You already said excrete, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in the rehearsal. This is in the Bible, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> this might be heresy, but we'll, we'll see seems to me the only one that changed in the flood story is God. He went into it, ticked off, going to destroy us. At the end, humans don't change. They're the same crummy, messed up, sinful humans they were before the flood. Same after the flood. But you know what God said? He said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not ever going to miss my promise to you that I'll never again destroy my creatures. As long as earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and warm, winter and summer, as long as earth remains, I will never again do that. You can count on nature from here on out. So go plant your seed. 
grain you harvest. But now creation is going to be different. Creation knows that it's the mercy of God that allows it to go on. By God's mercy, we've been taken care of. Isn't that something? And you know, I found out, I was thinking, um, in my day, the end of the world was supposed to come because the planet couldn't feed everybody. There was like, I don't know, two billion. Uh, now it's four times that. And they tell me that we can, the planet's doing its work. The earth can grow more food than we can eat. Is that right? Mm. What, cause, what causes famine today? It's what's going on in, in where is it? Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. yeah. Where we have wars, politics, keeps it, uses it for political reasons. But the earth has been good. It does its job. God said it would be so. Till earth remains, he said, which means it's provisional. It's not going to last forever. But the end of the world is going to be God's decision. So this, so this means that the, earth, that the creation that we're praising here, this wondrous, is this creation right now with all of its problems, with wickedness and sin, it's still good. God has stuck with it. He's going to stick with it. Let me show you a picture. This is of Yosemite. Uh, Yosemite Falls. How come we want to go to Yosemite Falls? And when we go there, do we say, isn't this something, how the glacier came 10,000 years ago or something? And left this rocks and look what we have. Or do we say, wow, <laughs> how did God do that? Do we have some sense of, uh, uh, of wonder? I think when atheists look at Yosemite Falls, they start to have doubts. Um, there's something haunt, haunting about it. Uh, let's, uh, we were at the fairs a couple weeks ago, and look what we spotted. Thanks, guys. That's Linda looking at a photo, and we moved up closer to it. That's uh, not a photo, a painting. Pretty good painting, huh? And we found out the painting was by... That guy over there in the blue shirt, Peter did Clark. He, did he come? Yeah, good job, man. <laughs> Give us one more picture. I think you get his name on there. Um, there it is. <laughs> Peter Clark. How about that? Uh, Dawn at Yosemite. Is that what it is, Yosemite Valley? Uh, it's the world we walk in, the, the creation, the world we walk in when we leave this building is good. And... God's goodness remains in it. Um, okay. But there's more. There's always more. There's more. <laughs> so that brings us to verses 14 through 20 in God's unsearchable love. So the Lord holds on to all who are falling. 
and raises up all who are bowed down. All eyes look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living creature. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. So right there at the end, David kind of spoils it a little bit, doesn't yeah. he? You know? <laughs> a little yeah. vindictive note. Why so vindictive, Laren? Help us with that. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of, we could say this would have been a perfect psalm if we wouldn't have had that vindictive line in there. Uh, but it wouldn't have been a true psalm, would it? Uh, as good as this earth is, as good as creation is, we know that something's gone wrong, don't we? And if we could just take care of that, what are we going to do about this wickedness, this mystery of iniquity, the sin that is in the human heart? I think it's important, first of all, that it's God who's going to deal with it. It's not us. Whenever we take Caesar's sword and try to punish the wicked, we always mess up. It's none of our business. It's God's business. And he has a strange way of dealing with it, which has to do with his nearness, I think. Mm. How, notice how he comes near. You see our near word in verse 18? Mm. Hey, he, those who are bowed down come to him. When did God come most near to us? When was he closest to us? I think the apostle says when he was born of a woman. When he was born of a woman. When he lived among us. When he saw the wickedness. And his destiny was to Calvary's mountain. And on Calvary, somehow, God absorbed, Jesus absorbed, Christ absorbed all the wickedness all the violence, all the hatred that the world can deal out. And in doing that, somehow, God dealt with the mystery of iniquity. A mystery that not only runs out there where there's wicked people, mm. but if you notice it comes in here too, doesn't it? David's no innocent, by the way, who writes this psalm, if you recall. In Psalm 51, he asked God to forgive him of his sins. Even Noah, supposed to be a righteous man, but no sooner does the water cease than he gets naked drunk. Um, that somehow we need Calvary. So Christmas, that's worth passing on. And Good Friday... But things that makes Good Friday good, of course, is Easter. So Easter morning is so good because it says what happened on the Calvary's cross, that broken body and that shed blood. It had to do with something unfathomable, unsearchable, how God had dealings with his creation, with us. 
to make what is wrong right and to somehow bear our sin, bear our sorrows, bear the wickedness of the world on himself. But there's more. <laughs> there's always, always more. more. Always more. It um, brings us uh, to the end and back to the beginning. God's unsearchable presence. As my mouth will speak the praises of the Lord. Let all creatures praise God's holy name forever and ever. And then verse 1, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. So David calls the people to praise and calls himself to praise. I think I ran out of things to say. You ran out of things to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, who gets our praise, Laren? God alone gets our praise. Mm. Our God and King. You know, there's something subversive about us gathering here and giving God praise. We are saying in the midst of a fallen world, we have no, we, that, that God alone is our king. We will honor Caesar, but we will not worship him, nor will we lift our praises to him. He's not our savior. God alone, Christ, Big God, I should say here, our three-personed, spacious God. God the Father who created us. God the Son who redeemed us. And God the Holy Spirit who sustains us, holds us together, holds the world together for the coming of its one true King. There is more. <laughs> Verses 11 through 13, the, the middle. And we are coming back to end there because that's where you and I live, in the middle of the story, here gathered together and singing praises to our kings. It says, they, that's God's faithful ones, the saints, hopefully us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they will speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your kingdom, your kingly rule, endures throughout all generations. And that was what really stopped me in my tracks and uh, resonated with me as I read this psalm and meditated on it with Laren to prepare to proclaim it today. Um, coming back to that question at the beginning, what is it that passes on? for a thousand generations, and it says it's the kingdom of God that passes on. I couldn't help of think of Jesus as he started his ministry. What was the first thing out of his mouth? The kingdom of God is at hand. And the very first thing he taught us to pray for, your kingdom come. And the very first thing he said to seek above all else, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the earth will take care of itself, Amen. right? And finally, I thought of the church gathered in Rome and uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, and it seemed that the Romans couldn't quite agree on whether or not they should eat meat that had been <laughs> sacrificed to idols. That was their big debate. 
we have a few big debates, don't we? Um, and it was an important question, and it, it had a correct answer, and Paul's torturously reasoning with them. But, you know, he says in the middle of chapter 14, he kind of takes a step back, and he says, you know, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you know, so let's pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. So if whatever we're seeking begins to not lead to joy and peace mm. in the Holy Spirit and mutual upbuilding, so maybe we need to zoom out and remember what endures from one generation to the next. Mm -hmm. um, God has us do something in the middle, too, which is to take of this cup and of this bread, so we'll do that. Um, it's sort of like, you know, with Noah, how can I be sure that you're really not going to mess us up again? You're not going to bring another flood. And God says, well, I'll give you a sign. Do you remember the sign? A rainbow, right? And God says, when I look at the rainbow, I'm going to remember. Isn't that something? Mm. And when we look at the rainbow, we're going to remember mm. that he's, not, he's going to stick with his creation and see it through. Well, this is the sign, in a way, of the covenant on Calvary's Hill Mountain. Whenever we wonder about where we're going or what God has to do with us, we break the bread and drink the cup. And we say God has dealt with our sin and our sorrows dealt with his creation on Calvary's cross. So in the middle, we take it to this table. It's also a practice for the big table that awaits us in glory, right? Mm. The marriage supper of the Lamb. So as soon as we get to glory, we're all going to sit down and see Lynn Cheney and talk and eat and drink. And thank the Lord for his faithfulness to us and to his creation. A new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. We're earthlings. You can't put us just in heaven. That's no fun. <laughs> we need a new earth, right? Before we do so, uh, some of you may be thinking, well, I don't know if I belong at that table. I haven't been here for a while. And so that's why every week before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we confess our sins together and we receive the assurance that the word of God provides. So let's confess our sins together. We'll have the words up here on the screen and you will read the bold part out loud together, okay? We confess that we have sin in our hearts. Lord Jesus, Son of David, Son of God, have mercy on us. And here is our assurance from our psalm today. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all his creation. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Let's come to the table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after blessing it, 
He broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, our Lord took the cup when he had supped. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant is that promise. This is a new way that we're going to get along. <laughs> Always because of Calvary. Because of the blood of the cross. New covenant in my blood. Do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Isn't it interesting that we got remembering again? Rainbow, God remembers. As if we'd forget, but we do, don't we? So let's eat and let's drink and let's remember. <laughs>